Today, we learn more about ourselves, or others, as we dive deeper into the Enneagram and we study the anger triad, which consists of the eight, the nine, and the one. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast made by and for changemakers where we gain the courage to own our story, the freedom to own our craft, and the power to own the future. I am your host, Lucas Grobot, and today we are at episode two of a four-part episode on the Enneagram with April Lee. April, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. It's awesome to have you back. And today we are again talking about the Enneagram. April, help us out again. What is the Enneagram 30,000 foot level? What is it? Yeah, the Enneagram um, is a old personality typing system based off of one's motivations, core fears, not behaviors. And it helps one to see that there are eight other ways of viewing and seeing the world. And um, it's split into triads, which basically mean three different ways of taking in and processing information. And as we have discussed, um, those three ways are doing, feeling and thinking Mm. and um all the nine types three of them fit into each triad and so the what i love about the enneagram is that it's not a static but it it helps you see the areas of unhealth yeah and helps you move into health is that right yeah and you talk you talked on the first episode last week about how there's these masks that we wear that from ages of zero to five, we we learn to put on these masks in our childhood that help us uh, defend and cope and self-protect and preserve who we are. But then in the later parts of our lives, we start to realize and if we have self-awareness, not everyone does this, but with self-awareness, we begin to return to our true selves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to add to that in the language of using masks, which actually it comes from that Greek word persona Mm. and without the self-awareness, that line of what is my true self and what are these, what are these personalities I've put in place to make my way in the world and survive? I can get really blurred. Mm. And so uh, the second half of our life, we intuitively start moving in the direction of, I want to, I want to return home to our true selves. And what are these masks that I have to mm. take off to get there? Mm. What I, I love the, the roots of the Enneagram, as you said, it comes from, Greek philosophy back with Plato and and then it, it's morphed into all across all the religions this idea that there is a a God-given uh, design this original design in us an expression of of the divine or deity within us and mm-hmm. when you look at the uh, the the roots of the Enneagram, each one of the nine, because India means nine and yeah. gram means shape. And it's yep. the Enneagram is a circle with nine points and a bunch of lines Very zigzagging fancy. all across the place. You're like, what is that? It looks weird. But with it, each one of the nine has a holy idea or this this deity virtue that is assigned to it and the the 
the corruption of that idea, which is it's the passion or the vice, one of the seven deadly sins, what the nine deadly sins um, attached to each one of those. And from that, we can see the fear and the motivation behind each one of those uh, numbers in the in the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so it's fascinating because it's hitting the some deeper places in the psychoanalytics of who we are, the mm-hmm. subconscious, the ego, the superego, mm-hmm. and how those are playing together in a philosophical, in a religious worldview, in a non-religious worldview. Uh, it's a very holistic way of behavior that some of like the Myers-Briggs isn't necessarily looking at some of those deeper fears. It's, but this one is. Correct. And you can see how it moves you into health. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are some of the real quick, quick shot, uh, really quick snapshot. What are we going to learn today in this episode and how are how are the listeners going to be able to apply that to their yeah. life? Well, uh, we're going to dive into the gut triad or the anger triad is depending on what school of Enneagram thought you're involved in. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into the type eight, type nine, type one, and what they, how they're wired, what they do with and how they deal with their anger. They all do it in different ways. And um, we'll, we'll We'll talk about how um, each number can, what they need, how they can move into um, more a healthy, whole version mm. of you as whatever number they may be. And hopefully helps them along the journey of figuring out their number. And you know, is one number better than the other? Is having like a one is like. Is that the the supreme and you want to move from whatever lower number you are up to the one? Is that how it works? <laughs> no. Um, it's as we, as each number learns how to move um, with some fluidity between their stress, the number they, they move to in stress and in health and um, tapping into their wings that are that help balance each number and the more the more you're able to move within through the enneagram um actually is to assist you to become more whole it's not like uh but you can't part of you can't change numbers it's not like i'm a five and oh, one day i'm gonna become a three and then at the end of my life hopefully i'll become a one i see yeah great clarification no you are stuck with your number for life i'm stuck um, <laughs> yeah, from the ages, uh, from when you're about five, your number is, is set. And from about five to 15, you're kind of just honing it in. And then for the rest of f- then on is mm. you trying to return, trying to return. And that is what we are going to launch into today. You may discover today that you are a eight, nine or a one. Or maybe you will begin to grow some compassion and empathy for people in your life that maybe you've been scratching your head and confused about of, of why they act certain ways, why they grind on you in certain ways, or why they seem to thrive in areas that you just can't seem to thrive. It's like, mm. you know, like you, 
those times when you look at someone else and it's as if they are just sprinting ahead of you like they're in on a motorbike and you are trying to trudge along on a tricycle. Mm-hmm. I've also often looked at at people and flabbergasted and dumbfounded like how are they able to lead in that manner or mm-hmm. how are they able to execute in that manner? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going along on my little tricycle and they have discovered a rocket ship. What is wrong with me? But then you begin to break down the the Enneagram and mm-hmm. realize that they are built differently and they have different core yeah. motivations. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to gain some empathy for people today. So well said. I felt that deep in my soul. Good. You are a four and that's exactly <laughs> where you'd feel it. That's exactly where you'd feel it. Okay. So let us dive in. We are going to start with Eight. What mm. is the title of an eight? Title of the eight goes by the challenger or the boss. And so what I what I love, as I mentioned about the Enneagram, is that there's this holy idea and then this vice or passion that is the corruption of that holy idea. So for the eight, the holy idea is holy truth. And the corruption of that is lust. So how April help us? Lust. This isn't talking about just sexual fantasy and lust, is it? No, it, it's a lust for intensity. They are um, quite a, a passionate um, and a, aggressive number uh, on the Enneagram. And this lust causes them to um, push and mm. push and push. And uh, they're, they're all in or all out type type of people that that intense Mm. um that intensity and um yes and we'll talk about it more but they they love conflict Mm. and it actually means they thrive off it they thrive off of it and it means they're you're connecting with them it's it's energizing them into their their core drive and motivation which a lot of it it's power and if there is that conflict and energy swirling around them, that means they're in the center of something that's happening. They're not on on the edges. And in some ways, they're controlling their life. I think that was so well said in that any uh, type eights have the most energy um, yes. on the Enneagram. So on our last episode, I had said I had briefly mentioned the type five has the most conserved yep. amount of energy. Now, eights um intense and high high energy Mm. they they thrive off of it if there's a space they love to fill it Mm. um and would prefer that you match their intensity Mm. their energy level so another thing that we find with all of the numbers is that they have a a fixation which is something negative that gives them excuses for why they act in negative patterns and then they also have virtue or strength or their true self, which is really what they want to move into as they move into health. Now, for the eight, their virtue or their strength is innocence, which makes sense because their holy idea is truth mm-hmm. and how that truth and that innocence is connected. But their fixation, their ego fixation is vengeance, mm-hmm. which really comes out of a place of 
of being afraid they will be betrayed. Mm. And so out of that place of betrayal and wounding, instinctually, it's, well, I'm going to exert my power and dominance over you in vengeance to self-protect. But when they move into health, they move into a place of saying, how can I use my power and my truth and the energy around me that I naturally create to serve mm. the greater good. Mm. And this is where you see leaders, right? Mm. Leaders are often in the eight, which they excel into leadership. Yeah. And then we often find, uh, you know, you can watch U.S. politics for one day and see see the the, the corruption of those strong leaders. Mm. Is that right? <laughs> You're yeah. laughing. Yeah. No, it's good. You're 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 articulating it well and um common stories and just to kind of add some understanding to break down some of what you're saying um common stories that i hear among eights um is that in their childhood something happened in their childhood where they had to prematurely mm. abandon that childhood innocence we're talking about wow. and they had to take up responsibility not only for themselves but for other people and so in within that there's almost this formed idea that if you don't have power, you are taking control of. And if you don't have the, those who don't have the power, you should submit and follow. Mm. So how did that, so what were some of those lies or those wounds that came in from those early ages of childhood, which caused that? Yeah. What's some of the um, stories that might've happened? I think some of the, uh, maybe the underlying theme or message that eights would have caught up on in their childhood. And this would probably come mainly from their parents. Um, it is that it's not okay to be vulnerable or mm. to trust, to open up, um, to, yeah, to open up oneself, to, to trust others in relationship and, um, be vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. They had to ditch that. They quite, had to ditch quite, that quite early because to be vulnerable means that you're weak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've actually, and unsafe and you have potential of being betrayed. Yeah. And controlled. And, um, yeah. You're saying you had a, uh, I've, I've just heard, um, eights say that before, uh, is that, um, yeah, they, that vulnerability is weakness. Mm. That's been a, uh, I've heard that. That's a, you know, like each number kind of talks a certain way sometimes yeah. or, you know, they yeah. have their own language and, and for eights, vulnerability is weakness and that yeah. potential of betrayal. Which is, so I'm a, a five wing four. And so a five is, is the uh, a th thought head centric um, very analytical and the four is very, it's very emotional. And so for me, I process and say, no, vulnerability is strength. Mm. And that it's through vulnerability that we're able to bond and unify and gain connection. And that is our strength. And so it's really interesting that eights see it very differently. Yeah, And they would say, no, no, no. If you show yourself vulnerable, that actually is a sign of weakness. 
and then they in their own world are protecting themselves from vulnerability. Yeah, there's risk. There's risk. It it you have to risk to let someone in and to give them trust and to trust another person and and yeah, as you're saying, you're wing four. I I'm a type four as well. The I I love vulnerability. It's it's the way I connect and bond, mm. as you said. And um that that's not as easy for an eight to access and to know that about eights that you're in relationship with is huge. Yeah. So now each number has a, a place that it goes to in stress or disintegrates into and into health. Where does the eight move to when it's stressed? What does that look like? And then vice versa for when it moves into strength. Yeah. Uh, the eight moves to a five in unhealth or uh, insecurity. There's so many words we could use for it. Disintegration. And that often looks like taking on some of the behaviors of a uh, um, in an unhealth in an unhealthy five so um, tons of isolation mm-hmm. and the the self-seeking and the um, yeah the they can look quite secretive mm-hmm. and um, both of them are quite for independence both eights and fives mm-hmm. so that kind of the independence goes pretty strong and not wanting the unwillingness to, they're slow to um, trust people. Yeah. It takes a lot to, uh, of that. And, and they, they're less likely to, it's harder for them to follow. Mm. Um, great leaders, as we said, it's harder for them to follow and harder for them to access that vulnerability. And w- with that independence, eights are often known for or seen as wanting to be against what someone else believes. That they're often defining themselves by what they're not for rather by what they're for. Is that yeah. how help me unpack that, yeah. understand that? I would I would more so kind of expand that and say they they would like to stand independently, mm. but it it does appear as that they're standing against something, you know, mm-hmm. an opinion or you. And um, so I think to other numbers, it looks like they're standing against you. Um, and that can be, they they vocalize what they're against rather than what they're for. But I think that core deal is that they want to stand independently. And I can see how in, in an unhealthy, that's moving into... Uh, excess. Excess. Where in the five, it's, it's very isolating... And it's not taking leadership, but when it's in health, in health, the eight is the person that makes the waves. It's like they're the person that comes in and reforms things and leads movements into mm-hmm. into society that's serving society like a two, where it's looking for how can I help and serve the needs of someone else. Is that correct? Yeah, and um, the eights would be able to they're exceptionally strong strong exceptional leaders in health um and they can they can do what they can get done and accomplish what others say could never be done Mm. and they have the ability to see that and execute that it's great and all in their um in that high energy of being able to do that they understand vulnerability so rather than moving in just 
go, go, go um, power and aggression and in leading in that way, they lead with and holding kind of in tandem with that understanding of vulnerability. Mm. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, and maybe it's the way the numbers work, I often find myself alongside of an eight. As a five, I feel like I'm able to build systems and think implicationally, mm. which is my strength. Um, and I also often find myself attached to eights where they're just plowing ahead and making waves. And like you said, the, the eights that I know, I know one eight that has the m- most energy of <laughs> anyone that I can even think of in the world. And, uh, and is his charisma and leadership is just off the charts. And mm. because of it, he's able to do what people say is impossible. Mm. He breaks molds. He's able to unify people around, uh, creative ideas and movements. And, uh, just an incredible, incredible person that I look at and be like, I like, how does he do the things that he does? Mm. It's nonstop. Mm. And by the, the, the constant, the positive consequence of that um, is that he's serving so many people around him. Mm. And uh, it's really an incredible, incredible number. And I think we've, we've hit on that word innocence that, Mm that as the eight develops, right, they're moving, they're moving back to this place of childlike innocence where they're able to be vulnerable. Yeah. So what does, what's the need of an eight? What do they need in life? I would speak to all the eights and say, and this is going back to our original conversation, that prematurely somewhere, a common story, um, is that they had to to ditch the that childlike innocence and that vulnerability that a, that a child should be able to grow up in uh, in that safety and they didn't they didn't have that mm. and so um, it takes a lot of work but for for an eight to to really dig and rediscover um, their inner child again mm. and to not need to. Uh, feel like they need to control um, an environment or a person or a group to feel safe. Mm. Um, And I think any eight that can really make space for vulnerability um, will be well on their way to being a a healthy and whole Mm -hmm. eight. So eights, we love you and you're changing the world. Just remember, stay innocent. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I love that. Can I just add one yeah, more thing please. about Nate? Um, it, it, we've been talking about betrayal so much, and it's like, what do you do with that as an eight? And I think almost diffusing the the intensity of what betrayal may feel like to an eight mm. and recognizing it's painful. Yeah. The, the reality, like, oh, yeah, that hurts. But it actually doesn't happen as much as they think in, that it happens. Mm. And um, and you can trust people. Mm. <laughs> people can be trustworthy. So I would hope that that brings some walls down and diffuses things that may be a little bit difficult to 
to bear as an eight. And so for for us who are not eights, as we look at an eight, how can we uh, begin to exercise compassion or empathy for those people mm. and meet them in their place of of maybe unhealth or health? One thing that we can do or be aware of. Yeah. I will say, I'll speak from experience. Um, what's helped me stay engaged with an eight rather than withdraw or run away or put up my walls in defense to their aggression um, is they're not out to get you. Mm. They're high energy people. And, um, and if you can understand some of that common story of what they've been through um, and what they needed to do to take on that energy, the power and control to, it was, it was that responsibility they felt to bear, to, to make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think you can, you can start to approach an eight with a lot more compassion. Mm. I like that compassion. Let's move on to a nine. What is the title of a nine? The title of a nine is the peacemaker. The peacemaker, and so the the divine or the holy idea that a peacemaker embodies, that a nine embodies, is this idea of holy love, and that gets corrupted into sloth. Which at first it's like, how does love get corrupted into sloth? But really, sloth, which is it's not just being lazy, as you would say, right. but it's like falling asleep to yourself. Yeah. And it's realizing that that perfect love, that holy love is actually action mm. and service and, and putting yourself out there into the world as a force that unites. Mm. And the corruption of that is disengagement and falling asleep. And so... The the nine, it's the the holy idea is holy love. The the vice or the the passion, if you will, is sloth. And then the egotistical fixation would be indolence. Now that word, what does indolence mean, April? It means self-forgetting. Um it's that term that we we just mentioned. Um of, of it's falling asleep to their own desires and their own self. Mm. Um, yeah. And the opposite of falling asleep to yourself would be their strength and their virtue, which is action. Yeah. So in the nine, when they move into unhealth or disintegration or stress, they they would move into a place of for forgetting themselves or falling asleep to themselves. Right. But when they are moving and operating in health, they are people who take action, who are moving the ball forward, who are very intentional, and they don't need a lot of other people to guide them or lead them, but they have a sense of autonomy. Mm. They're not merging with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me more about the nine? Yes. What are their fears, their motivations? Yeah. Uh, the nines, they, as we discussed, their passion or their sin is, is sloth. So um, their need is to be okay. And the way they 
stay okay is to avoid conflict. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is they want to maintain their inner peace. Um, so keep anything in mm. stuff, keep anything in that could potentially create conflict and anything on the outside that could rob them of their inner peace. They want to keep out. Mm. Um, and so their need is to be okay. And um, a, a message that they've always longed to hear is, is that their presence matters. Um, and so their presence, their opinions, their thoughts, that their decisions mm. uh, matter. And, and it, um, yeah, I think it goes head on to their, their, the tension is that their need is to be okay and to remain outside of conflict. But as you're saying about holy love, love is intimacy and intimacy. You have conflict. It's it in conflict. You, yeah. yeah. You get to till that soil, you know, in yeah. which a, a relationship grows in connection, which nines connection matters so much to nines. Um, but you can see how the corruption of that, since they want love so badly, they're willing to not actually be honest with what they need or what they feel or how they think because they're afraid that that will cause yeah. conflict and that conflict would then cause a fragmentation of the relationship, which is their exactly. greatest fear. Exactly. And so because of that, they they choose to bottle it all in. They take that anger, right? We're in the the gut, the anger triad. They take that anger, and what do they do with it? <laughs> it turns in they stuff, and they it turns into passive aggressive anger. And so, it in their attempt to reach this holy love, it's been corrupted by sloth, which is the 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 inaction, the desire to be unaffected by life. Yeah, and that sadly, those seeds turn into passive aggression and the whole thing just comes falling apart on the nine. Yeah. What are some of those childhood kind of words that were spoken or subconsciously communicated of um, what's it okay to do and what's it not okay to do? Some of their desires. Yeah. Um, that it, it wasn't okay to um, assert themselves, mm. you know, Um say their maybe their their opinions were overlooked or mm. their presence was overlooked you know that's what their longing tears that their presence matters you know mm. so um there's this cycle of uh, that unconscious message over childhood where maybe things actually displayed oh my presence doesn't matter mm. or um if they did try um, and assert themselves, <laughs> it only justified that their presence didn't yeah. matter. Didn't yeah. Work. I have a nine in my life, very, 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 very close to me. My yes, wife, you do. my wife is a nine. And I can think of, you know, when, as you, as we said in the episode before, when my wife figured out that she was a nine, she started crying because for the first time she began to understand some of her journey, some mm -hmm. of her story. Um, and I can, I can testify to this as well, um, that with my wife, she, she wants to keep the peace so badly mm. that in her life, she had merged with everyone else's ideas and opinions. Wow. She, she, 
she really couldn't articulate what she felt or who she was or what mm. she wanted because there's all these layers of, well, my my opinion doesn't matter. Mm. My presence doesn't matter. I just need to agree with what everyone else thinks and go along with it because that is what keeps the peace. That is what keeps the love. Yeah. And then oftentimes nines have these, uh, these you know, huge conflict moments where they have this awakening to their, themselves where the, the passive aggression boils over and they say enough is enough. And there's this explosion. And often it's like a midlife crisis mm. where they will finally stand up and say, I am done with not asserting myself. Mm. And the people around them begin to say, well, this isn't who you are. What's happened to you? You've changed. This isn't you. Mm. Why are you being like this? Because mm. they've been the the peacemaker all along. And so this happened to my wife where she had a moment where she finally stood up and said, enough's enough. Mm. And the people around her literally said to her, you've changed. This isn't you. What mm. happened to Rachel? And so um, for others around, it could when when nines hit this moment, it looks like, oh, they, they've totally changed. Why are they being mm -hmm. like this? Mm -hmm. This is the person that I've known my whole life. But really it's that is them moving from unhealth into health, which is them taking action and saying, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going for. And for my wife, it's, it was a noticeable change of her not having real strong articulation of this is what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm or what I want to do with my day even, or what I have an opinion about, to now she is in a place of pursuing her own passions that are independent of anyone else around wow. her, taking action, taking initiative, um, which for for a nine, that's a, a real sign of health. Mm. Um, and it takes a lot to overcome just for her to have her own opinion yeah. about the world or herself or others. That's a brave journey for your wife to take. She's a brave woman. That's and amazing. I'm lucky to be married to her. She's incredible. You are. She's incredible. Yeah. No, that I nines in health, they're they're incredible mediators because they see two sides of everything. Mm. And in health, they're able to, as you were saying with your wife, not only be able to assert themselves and know um, what they think about something, make a decision yeah. um, independently and not merge with with others and what they want um, out of the fear of conflict, but um, they can also, uh, they have the ability to harmonize and reconcile two different sides, two mm. different perspectives, which I think is really important for us to realize with nines um, in their, yeah, their gift to be able to see two two sides of things. Mm. So I would say that's another healthy version of a nine who'd be able to, yeah, understand both sides and pull them into harmony. Now, what do we know about the energy level of a nine? Yes. So we mentioned with the eights, they have the most energy on the Enneagram. With type fives, they have the most conserved amount of energy. 
And with type nines or peacemakers, they have the least amount of energy. So what does that what does that mean for a person who's a nine? What what can they recognize or do with that information in their life in, in a practical way, understanding that they have the least amount of energy? Um, I think going back to this grace and, and compassion piece, mm. um, and, and you had referenced it to yourself, you, you look to other people and you're like, you have such a high capacity to do so much. And that's referring to an eight who has high, high energy. And for a nine to recognize I have the least amount of energy, um, that, um, again, not, at, not to make an excuse but to give grace and compassion for yourself that my my capacity is going to look different mm. in what I'm able to do and accomplish. And then even for some nines, it takes, again, that bravery and a lot to muster up to be able to move into action. Mm. Um, but they, they have uh, the least amount of energy there. Mm. It almost like gives this understanding of realizing I'm not broken. Mm. Like there's not something wrong with me, but this is part of the makeup of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And then as a nine moves in, moves out of unhealth, which is self-forgetfulness and indolence, which is, so the nine, what numbers do the nine move to in unhealth and in health? The nine moves to a six in unhealth. And um, they, and in and, and a three in health. Mm-hmm. So, um in health, that that assertion that we're talking about, they're pulling from healthy behaviors of a of a three, and with their disintegration, they become overly dependent um, and on other people. Mm. And sixes are very uh, they look out for the common good the community, the group, the relationship, and they're very loyal in that. Um, but a, a nine can fall asleep to uh, all the different preferences of mm. other people. And they can numb almost, again, I'm using the word fall asleep, but numb out um, their own emotions and mm. what they're feeling on the inside. Because mm. they're feeling a lot on the inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Experiencing a lot. But they have a hard time voicing and articulating that because they're afraid that that will break the peace. Yeah. That their opinion is going to break the peace. So what Even do... that worst case scenario of a six, you oh, know? Oh, yeah. Worst case scenario, you're going to leave. This is, I mean, I don't know. A worst case scenario that you could possibly have in fragmentation of a, of a relationship. Mm. So what does a, what does a nine... If you're talking to nine, what does that nine need for themselves? And yeah. for all of us who aren't nines, what can we give a nine? Yeah. Um, I would love to say to nines that your presence matters. What we want to, we want to know what you're thinking. We mm. want to know your thoughts. We want to know what you think about a certain thing and how, how should we go about it? We love your um your presence in that. Mm. And, and I think often uh, language that might help with nines is we love it when you show up in your, in your presence, in your words, uh, in your thoughts, we, we want them. Mm. And I would say for 
other types and other numbers who are in relationship with nines um, to be very aware of when nines are trying to merge with you. Mm. Yes. Because it's so easy for us to just truck along as they merge with your idea or your preference. Yes. Um, So simple questions like, what do you, what would you like? Um, What are you thinking? Giving space, time and space for nines to figure out what is it that they want to almost Mm. wake up to themselves? Because, um, yeah, as we, it's, it's, it's difficult. And for nines, it's a little bit, it's harder. They need some time. They, they, they need time to know Mm. what they're thinking and what they feel about a certain thing. So even patience, other numbers to extend patience, Mm. time and space for them to figure it out. Even being aware if a nine doesn't know their answer right away, come back to them. Be aware of their presence. That That is reaffirming that they matter. And when they do give their answer and it looks like they're just merging with you or saying what you think that them saying what they think you want them to say Mm. press again for that question yeah and say like is that really what you want or is that what you think that i want Mm. i know for in the relationship with my wife um she'll often drop hints of (laughs) oh i'm really hungry right now and i i might not be hungry and i know what she's saying yeah. But I have had to learn to hold back and not just jump in and give her what I know that she's saying, mm. but kind of hold back and give her space and not press her, but give her opportunity to say, okay, well, what do you want? Yeah. Like, I understand that you're hungry. <laughs> what do you, what, what does that mean for you? Mm. What do you want to do? Because I'm not hungry, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't eat. Mm. So I, I've had to learn because normally what I, would, what I would do, which was keeping that cycle of merging, is I would just swoop in and solve the problems for her rather than her taking her own action and articulating. It's not just a, a physical action, mm. but it, making that decision within to articulate her desires and needs for herself as an individual and her realizing that her needs are not burdensome to the world around her, but they're actually welcomed. Mm -hmm. Her presence matters. Her opinion and her needs are needed in the equation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We need you nines. We need you nines. I love you, babe. Okay, moving on to the last number for today, the one. What is the one? The perfectionist. The perfectionist. <laughs> I I love the in well, I love the 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 holy idea of the one which is holy perfection. And the 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 one that's all about principles and it's all about these high and lofty truths and ideas following the rule book and the corruption of holy perfection is anger Mm. and it's not just being an angry person right but it is the the egotistical fixation is resentment Mm. to be more defined as you've said which then you can find from there that the 
the virtue or the strength that they have, it's serenity. We, we had to break down what serenity really means. And it's, it's more than just peace, but there was a definition that you had. What was that, April? It was undeserved grace. Undeserved yeah. grace. I love that. Which makes so much sense for the one mm. because their idea is holy perfection. It's this everything needs to be put together. And when it's not, they fall into this resentment and anger really against themselves that yeah. they're not able to live up to these exterior principles. But when they're able to move into grace, undeserved grace, Mm-hmm. which breaks all of their their boxes and their systems, mm. then they find that place of serenity that they're empowered in a peaceful way to lead others. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, tell me about the one. What's the perfectionist? What are they like? Ones, they, they are, they're, they're dealing with, they want to know that they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, this need to be perfect, not only in, in, in deed or in action, but in word and thought. And so if you can imagine a pretty good distinguishing factor of a one is they have a critical voice and they've had it since they can remember. Like they're critical of others or inside their own head, they have a critical voice. In unhealth. Uh, they can be critical of others, but it's only a reflection of what's happening deeper mm. inside of ones. And um, they live in continual frustration. They're, they're constantly frustrated with themselves because mm. they're not meeting this standard or mark of perfection that they've set Sounds out for like themselves. <laughs> that they've set out for themselves. Um, and, and also equally frustrated with others that don't meet that mark. Mm. Um, they're they're one of the like I believe the top one of the top two complex numbers of the enneagram, and um, and so that critical voice, that inner voice that they've been hearing. I mean, it, it's as soon as they wake up and when they go to sleep at night, that voice is nonstop. And if you don't have that distinguishing voice, mm. you're probably not a one. Um, and we were saying the passion of the one, the, the perfectionist is resentment. And um, it's, and they turn it, they turn it on themselves. So if they lash out in anger at you, um, it's, not nearly as intense as it is on the inside mm. for them. Um, yeah, that's that's some of how they deal with their anger. I think um, for one to realize perfection is momentary, you might meet the mark, but it doesn't last. And um, like you might meet the mark in a task and you're like, I that was perfect to their standards. Mm. And but it it doesn't last to maintain that. Um, What's the fear? The, the driving fear, what are they afraid of, the perfectionist? That they'll be corrupted or that they, they won't be good. Mm. Mm. So where, do, what's the, the, where does it stem from in their childhood? What's that story between birth and five years old, the, the narratives yeah. that they subconsciously or consciously have been told or come to believe? What happened? 
Yeah, they they struggle with this. Um, it, that unconscious message um, that they felt conveyed, that they interpreted of it's not okay to make mistakes. How did how might have that played? So it's it's not okay to make mistakes. Yeah. What did they long to hear then? That I think a, a healthy one would give grace to a process rather than strive for perfection. Mm. And um, that undeserved grace that we're talking about, they give it to themselves and to other people. That it is okay to make mistakes. It's how we learn. It's how we grow um, and become. Mm. So what are some uh, typical characteristics of a one that we could see that would come out of this perfectionism? It's not okay to make mistakes, living by principles, that there's this higher set of of laws or rules above mm. that to live by. What does mm. that one look like? Because in some ways uh, you could say perfectionist, yeah. but how? what does that really look like? Because I think probably some of the other numbers – People could be perfectionists in some ways, but mm. this one is very distinct. Mm. Yeah, they um, ones have a pretty like intense compulsion to to act out what they believe to be correct. Um, so they they're wanting to be there. There is a clear distinction between right and wrong mm. with most ones, and and as I said, there's so there's, there's a, no gray. No, not much of it. Mm. they it's they can access it (laughs) intentionally but um it's yeah there is a right or wrong Mm. yeah which with most ones they live by principles that they believe are right and um are correct um as i had mentioned before the ones have it's if you don't have the critical voice, you're not a one. Mm. I'll just say that pretty blatantly. Um, and this voice, this inner dialogue that does not end. Um, they even have trouble. Some ones have trouble sleeping. So it's even in through the night. Um, is there almost, it's almost that that drive of, to be perfect, to almost, I, I don't know, I'm not a one, but maybe ease that voice. Mm. You know, I, okay, like, I'm good enough. I'm worthy enough. Um, just a, a sense of a, a breath, like I, I made, made that mark. Mm. But because, but when they're not in there, they don't have that serenity. They're not operating their virtue and the rest. No. So what does it look like in a, have you have any experiences with ones? How does that play out? In a real world scenario, <laughs> I recently had a conversation with a friend of mine who is a one, and um, he's been on his own Enneagram journey and had come to this realization that um, it's really, really difficult to receive um, help or criticism and even encouragement in the way that it is communicated. Mm. And, and again, I, just to, to keep it in the forefront of our minds, it's because they, they have already that inner critical voice. So to receive any sort of critique is already 
crushing to a one. Mm. Um, but back to my story, my friend had brought up a conversation, a comment that I made. And I, I remember we had just come out of a meeting that he had facilitated and was in charge of. And I was just, I was so amazed at how well he had facilitated the meeting. It was, it was, it was clear, um, inspiring. It was just so, I, I wanted to tell him my, my natural, uh, response out of how I felt was, oh my gosh, I, I need to encourage my friend that, mm. oh, you, that was incredible. And so the way that it came out was, hey, I just want to let you know that the way you led today's meeting was great today. And uh, he had told me, and this is a recent conversation, that when what he had heard me say was, you led today's meeting great but every other meeting <laughs> actually uh, <Of> sucks. <laughs> and so what was intended to be an encouragement uh, totally backfired. Was criticism. Was criticism. Wow. And yeah, I, I, I hope that paints some of a picture of that inner dialogue that they, they, they wrestle with. Mm. Now I know a couple ones, but one I know he's, he is kind of hard to, hard to connect with. The the one that I know, I know typically for ones, they can seem a little distant or emotionally uh, not present because they're operating on this level of of principles, right? Mm. They're seeing the world through this very sanitized perfection box. And so classically, I know that they're they're a little harder to get in with as far as relationally. They're not open and warm immediately. Um, it's not to say that they're not nice people or warm people, um, but the the person that I'm thinking of, he, when he's, I can tell when he is stressed, the atmosphere around him is very stressed. It's very uh, critical is the right word mm-hmm. of of the the space and the world around him, the the relationship of the world around him, and then. Um, when he is making decisions or saying things, it you can see that that person that he is in not operating in health because the one where does the one go to in, in, in a, health to a four. So it goes to a four, and in health they go to a seven. A seven, and so I can I can feel in the room when he is, you know, not in his best self. Mm. But when he's operating in his gifting in a way that's really healthy, mm-hmm. uh, I can feel the, as we said, that undeserved grace, that power, that serenity, that's actually quite empowering yeah. to the room around in a way that says, in a very clear, articulate manner, here are the principles mm. that we should live within. But it's not a heavy thing on the people it's really something that is graceful, that is empowering yeah, and it's encouraging well rather than feeling heavy and critical, resentful towards everyone and towards themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say um, that their, their move to a four, um, fours, they, it's so easy to see what's missing 
And mm. so um, for, a, for one to give in to that critical voice f- to themselves and then other people, it, it, them just living in, a, in an imperfect world, um, they become very judgmental and, mm. and they, they miss out on um, what is present mm. um, because, yeah, they're moving to that space of a four now to a when they move to a seven in health and security, um, they they become a little bit less rigid. Mm-hmm. And um, rigid is a great can, word for one. Rigid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It is. <laughs> um, with understanding that so much, they're considering so much on mm. the inside. Um, but they in that seven space, they can learn to let loose a little bit more, have some more fun. They can be patient with other people's process. But as you were saying, empower others to this, these principles that um, are great and Mm. wonderful. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really cool, I love their move to a seven. It's, Oh man. When a one moves into that seven space of health, they're really fun to be like, they're like, oh, let's gather people. Like they have these like community, like it's just this amazing, amazing expression of, of perfection in this, really it is serenity, it's rest, it's peacefulness Mm -hmm. in that space. And it's so enjoyable and welcomed to step into that, that space. You can Mm -hmm. feel that peacefulness. You can feel that uh, strength mm. resonating around them, which is like you said, it's coming from that place of of principle and of perfection mm. and of serenity. And so I I love being around those healthy ones, mm-hmm. um, as it it is really so life giving. Mm. What does a one What does a one need, mm. and what can we give them? Great question. <sighs> I think. Um, to be, I think it would be helpful for ones to be aware that there is this critical voice and which they should be aware, but to know how to silence it when Mm. it should be silenced. Um, and, um, yeah, to not tear apart their, the way they do things and to give into that voice of you didn't meet the mark or, you know, why did you do this or that? You know, it, it really could, that voice really attacks them. Mm. So I think um, if a one is not aware of that voice, to be aware that that voice is there and to know that you have the power to not agree with it. Mm. Um, and for ones to, as we've been saying, uh, give grace and patience for yourself first you can make mistakes and it's mm. okay. It's okay. Let it form you. Let it shape you. Mm. Learn from it and grow from it. And and it doesn't, you are good. It doesn't make you bad or corrupt when you make a mistake. Wow. Um, forgiveness is very powerful. Um, and I would say for others who are not ones, which I'm on this journey of l- learning how to communicate with a one Mm. in a way that they do feel loved and safe and how can we, how can we do that that mark of perfection? Um, what are (laughs) some, can we do that one? You can call in. No, just kidding. Um, 
Because I think we all we all want to, we, you know, us who are not whatever number we're talking about, we do want to understand. Okay, I as a five, I have deficiencies, mm-hmm. and I have I have need for a one in my life because I can see the gray and everything, and uh, and so we need the ones. But how can we how can we communicate to one? in a way that is empowering that is that is supporting them because mm. i'm afraid of of saying hey it's okay one that you made a mistake because that's mm. almost that <laughs> critical voice of saying you made a mistake yeah how how can we um be a, a life source mm. to one yeah my my initial thought is they want to be told that they're good um, but at the right time, right? I think timing is a very important element in the way that mm. we affirm and encourage ones. Um, cause if I were to, uh, let's say you were hosting a podcast and right after, um, yeah, I, I, you're not a one, but would say like, Hey, by the way, like, you're good. Like you did a good job, like here in this moment. And it it almost takes away from what we're trying to say. I think figuring out the right time and place to encourage a one and remind Mm. them that they are good, um, that they, they do a wonderful Mm. job. Um, I, I think that along with how you, how you say it and that takes a lot of intentionality for these other numbers but that's what's loving that's where you you grab hold of some of that compassion and realizing you have a lot you have a lot happening internally Mm. um you i what works for me is just simply knowing that they already have a critical voice that would be way stronger than my (laughs) critique or saying hey you made a mistake can we talk through this it's right they're they're already thinking about it right (laughs) right right. but thinking about it way more intensely than i would probably it's i've just thought about this now but it's like every number in their in their fear whether it's resentment or self-forgetfulness indulgence uh vengeance betrayal um it seems like those those around would want to actually react to them in their greatest fear because of how they're like for Mm -hmm. me i can see myself Mm -hmm. having a level of resentment or criticalness towards one because of the rigidness Mm. or i could see myself having a level of uh self-forgetfulness towards a nine because they they already are blending in and so it's easy for them to dissolve and their presence not matter Mm. the same with with an eight it's easy for as they have dominance and control try to undermine that Mm. to gain some of my own maybe that's just me as as a five four um moving uh my own personality but part of it is with all these numbers of recognizing where their their weakness is and operating in the opposite spirit towards them mm. which actually is what gives them what gives them life and power and freedom mm. to step into that undeserved grace that we we're talking about the one that allows the one 
to step into that place of serenity by giving the one the grace, by giving them peace, by not being critical and resentful towards them in their shortcomings. Mm. It almost empowers them to step into their their original design. Mm. I love that you saw it like that. Yeah, I think, um, as I said, there's always something happening beneath the fear mm. that is fleshed out, you know, whether that's in, I'm going to throw an elbow this way and it looks like this way in resentment, or, you know, I'm going to run away or just merge with someone or, you know, it, it's a, the, the wrong thing to do or the, the, yeah, is to throw an elbow back and like, right. okay, you're going to act like that. Fine. I'll do it back right. to you. But for the person in relationship with that number to know, okay, there's a lot more happening. Mm deeper than what is yep. coming out yeah and for that compassion and that understanding and the patience yeah um to be able to say i'm gonna stay yeah we're gonna work this out in the way that yep. you work yeah and that goes for that goes for all numbers and yeah. it goes for all of life of of saying okay we want to live better lives we want to transcend into our original design and who we were created to be we want to be a force of good and love in the world and that means when people are are maybe acting out of unhealth or doing things that are rightfully hurtful towards us Mm. instead of acting as a victim or or attacking back us holding that space and giving them what they need and maybe don't deserve in that moment because that's what breaks cycles Mm. in the world around us. Mm -hmm. And even if it doesn't change that person, it's going to break a cycle within us and move us into a place of health as an individual rather than into a place of, of chaos Mm. and destruction or disintegration. So, April, thank you so much for being on this episode. Next week, we will be back with the heart and the feeling, yes. a triad, which is which is number two, three, and four. You don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm. Remember, if you own your story and if you own your number, you mm-hmm. will own the future. <laughs>